This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be in this lovely, well, not so lovely right now, Sunday, a little overcast, but here it gets like that, and uh, it burns off, you know, in a couple of hours. Uh, anyway, here you're live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, we're here for your pets, to talk about anything you want to talk about here on Instagram Live. Welcome for joining me, and any questions you have, um, please send them my way. And that goes for you. How do you get a hold of me here at Pet Life Radio? Very simple. 877-385-8882. Once again, toll-free at 877-385-8882. You can also reach me much better, much better here on Zoom. You just go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and click on the Zoom link that's left for you there, and you can join me here live with your pet. Hey, it's telemedicine at its finest. So, and... For all of you that are joining me here on Pet Life Radio or on, on my Instagram, send me some questions. I love to see your questions. Anything you want to talk about is great. And trust me, you may think you have a question. This game for both audiences here. And you think, oh, my God, it's so weird. I'm so embarrassed. No, I guarantee. I've <laughs> been doing this for a long time. There is nothing that you have going on that I have not heard of already. And so other people will benefit as well. And if they don't have a problem with their pet now, with whatever your problem you're having is, they will probably in the future. So it's always good information. Love to help you out. Love to give you some insight as to what's going on. And um, so while we wait for you, any of you, audiences to get the courage to ask me a specific question. I am going to just say hi. Both two of my siblings are on. Very nice to see you. Okay. So, you know, I'd like to peruse the news. What's going on in the veterinary world from the American Animal Hospital Association or the American Veterinary Medical Association? And um, I have a question coming in. Thanks again for the love you show, Rio. Nice. I was wondering how soon I can cook them food, rice, or both chicken since they are puppies. Well, what I would do, oh, and Hudson's doing great. I'm glad. I, I neutered my, uh, my nephew, my, <laughs> my four-legged nephew this week. So anyway, you know, if they're doing well on their own food right now, puppy food, uh, you can add some things like a little chicken, fresh chicken or rice. That's fine. But just do it very, very gradually. Anytime you change a dog's dog, even adult dog, but especially puppies, abruptly, then we have a problem with potential problem with diarrhea. Again, it's not a serious problem, but if you're cleaning up after them, it could be a serious problem. So, uh, but go slow and it's okay. But also, I worry that with puppies, obviously the nutritional needs are a little greater. So you still want to definitely feed some sort of diet that is either an all-stage life diet or a puppy diet instead of just doing uh, the chicken and the rice. Okay, so I love this story, and I love it for a number of reasons. First of all, the content, but also by who wrote it. So one of my colleagues, and also an AirVet board member, her name is Dr. Lori Teller. She teaches the only, the only telemedicine, telehealth course in the country at a U.S. veterinary school, and that's at Texas A&M University in College Station, Texas. She's also currently the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association, and she's taken a stand on that responsible pet ownership works better than banning needs. Pit bulls, for example, are no more naturally aggressive than any other dog. Calm down and crack on more on irresponsible pet owners, not 
the breed itself. She says uh, aggression, all right, as an issue, depends on really how the dogs are socialized, how they're trained, and how they're treated. So that's great because it bothers me when you hear these stories about municipalities saying, oh, we can't, you can't have a pit bull. No, I, if I, I could show you video of my daughter, one of my daughters has, a, has two pit bulls and, and how her son, who's three plus, right, literally crawls all over them, climbing on them, riding on their back. I mean, and they, all they do is lick them in the face. So I would tell you they're such loving. Taylor Page was in the other day. I think if I haven't posted it yet, I will. But Athena and Juice, two of our pities, literally, I'm sitting out on a chair, and they each one is on a, a thigh, a leg of mine, and they are right here just licking me like crazy, wagging their tails. They are so, so sweet. And I would tell you the majority of the pities that I see are like that. Now, what the problem is, because they, the, just their nature, that when they bite, they are tenacious, and they clench, and they don't get let go. So no, the damage that one can do, I understand, yes, is worse than a chihuahua. But I got to tell you, there are more bites registered by cocker spaniels and chihuahuas than there are from pit bulls. They don't make the news. Oftentimes inconsequential. But uh, obviously a pit bull is bad. And you do, yes, you hear these really weird stories. But um, right here, a uh, Frenchie named Thor says, and so any breed can make, be made aggressive. Lack of proper parenting is obvious. And that is so true. So um, thank you so much. And that's the case. So if they're trained well, if you catch them, uh, young puppies, and you can just see their general nature. My uh, daughter was getting an, uh, another dog, went to a shelter, and there was a beautiful, beautiful dog. It was a Conocorso, and uh, he was stunning, absolutely stunning and young. And again, she brought, brought Jackson, her son, and um, he was just petting it, and he wanted to hug it because he hugs his dogs. And when he kind of cleaned down, ran down, the dog like made a quick like a like a jump, and so very reactive. Again, it was a, a rescue. That means it belongs to somebody else, and we know nothing about it. We know nothing about its history, its prior life. And so, would she take that dog to her son and future kids? No, but still a very sweet dog. When she was petting it, he was great. So you just have to train, you have to socialize. And again, when you get some dogs that are a little older, unfortunately, we don't know, we don't have the ability to socialize because oftentimes they're past that stage. Not that they can't be, no, not that they can't be, but it's not as quick. It's like learning a language, right? Little kids can learn languages a lot faster than we can, at least than I can. So anyway, so I'm very happy that Lori uh, took a stand. And again, as a telemedicine, telehealth provider sitting on the board of AirVet, I'm very proud that she came out with this statement, which was great. Now, this is also interesting. <laughs> this is a wow. Every now and then, I love these wows. I love the greats. This is good. Age-related hearing loss in people is associated with a higher risk of dementia. How do you like that? So what they're saying is that they feel that this could be the same thing for dogs. That, and we see a lot of geriatric dogs that are losing their hearing. So now the question is, and I was just talking about this yesterday with somebody, is that now, is it the fact that you're not getting that input anymore because of the loss of hearing that the brain is not working, thus shuts down portions of the brain, which leads to dementia, in which case, getting a hearing aid. When you start feeling that you're losing the hearing, get a hearing aid or the hearing aid means nothing. It's once those pathways in the brain stop functioning, that is setting up the tone for more of these pathways to fail, leading to dementia. So I don't know what the result was as far as what the connection was, pardon the pun, between hearing and dementia, but 
keep in mind, if you or somebody you know is losing your hearing, you might want to just make the plans that, uh, that it might be dementia following. So uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. And also, there was a, this past week was a check your pet microchip, make sure it's up to date. And this is, I read that and I kind of had to chuckle. Why? Because I know from fact, you know, we do work with a lot of rescues. And, and people come in and they have found pets or they adopted a pet from a shelter or from a rescue, whatever. And of course, thing we do always before I microchip, I scan because I want to know, is there already a microchip there? Maybe we just have to change the registry. Do we need a new microchip? Maybe it's an old one and we need the ISO. I always scan a dog. Two things I always do. One, number one is scan the dog first to make sure it doesn't already have a chip. And number two, this is a good one. Scan the microchip in its little package because every now and again, you'll get a dud. And what you don't want to do is find out you have a dud after you've implanted the chip and give this big, thick needle shot right into the dog. Then it doesn't even work. So all the ones that I scan and have a microchip, we want to check on it. And I will tell you, 30% of them were never registered. And about another 20%, maybe 10%, your 40 total were registered, but not a single phone number is good. You call the numbers that are associated with the account, not a single one is good. Sometimes three numbers and none of them are good. So that means you may have a microchip, you may have registered, but you still, if you move, if you change the phone number, you need to get a hold of the company and update all your information. There are many companies out there. I like Save This Life is that you can actually change your information for free as many times as you need to. But one thing I will tell you, if you're going to implant a microchip today, make sure it is an ISO. That means 15 numeric digits, usually starting with nine, but it can be with anything out of some other countries, start with eight or seven. But here in the US, it's usually nine. And very, very important because a lot of foreign countries, European countries, Asian countries, no longer can read the old Destron type chips. That means the old Avid chips, the old home again chips, they can't even read them. In fact, what they usually say when you're traveling, if you don't want to get another microchip for your dog and you already have one and it's the old microchip, which is usually in, like it's either nine digits, uh, as in the case of Avid, or it's an alphanumeric in the case of the old home again, 10 digits, you need 15 numeric ISO certified. And if you are not choosing to get another microchip to update, you have to bring your scanner with you to prove that that number matches your pet. I mean, in my opinion, just get a new microchip. But uh, And yes, not easy depending on where it is, but you can take an old microchip out if you're worried about the two microchips, you know, sort of uh, interacting with each other and causing some problem, but it can be done. Okay, next up. Oh yeah, so <laughs> one thing, and you know, I've talked about this before, that they say that every five years, half of what was gospel, gospel, is obsolete. And that was a warning given to me by one of my mentors in vet school 40 years ago, Dr. Barb Kitchell. And she's, you know, because I was, I was a hotshot. I had a lot of experience going in because I couldn't get into vet school right away because I was too stupid. I went to Berkeley and partied a little bit too much maybe. But anyway, I did really well in vet school. And plus I had so much experience, clinical experience, that I was doing stuff that even the residents weren't doing yet. So there was a good and a bad to having waited as long as I did. But but Barb said, don't be a hot shot because this would happen. Well, I reported before on monkeypox and people talk about monkeypox. And I said, it's never, never had a case in dogs. You don't have to worry. Well, guess what happened this week? So live and learn, as I say, at least dogs can get monkeypox. The Lancet Journal, which is a very respected journal, confirmed that a pet dog in Europe 
that was allowed to sleep with its owners, even when they, they kept the dog away from other dogs and other people when they had monkeypox. But guess what? The dog got monkeypox. And when they tested the dog, it tested with the exact same virus, whatever the parameters they look at when identifying a virus, it was identical to the one the owners had, implying that yes, the dog got it from the owners. So the dog had some symptoms, the same, some lesions. It was nothing terrible. The dog did fine, but it did test positive. So uh, anyway, the recommendation is that if you or somebody in your household has or got had monkeypox, you want to avoid contact with your pets, have them sleep someplace else in a different room. It is apparently direct contact. So um, it's not like airborne, like, like a COVID thing, but just keep in mind that yes, they can get it. But there's been no case, I'm, I'm saying this now with caution, there's been no case of a pet giving it back to a person. So it doesn't mean it's not going to happen, clearly, because <laughs> things can change. I will let you know if we have such a case, but at the very least, beware of your pets if you or somebody in the household has monkeypox. All right, so we are here at our halfway break. Again, if I want more questions, I'm, I'm leaning on you guys to get more questions. Is it possible to put a tracking chip in a dog? Great question. We'll talk about that in a minute. And um, so you don't go away here on Pet Life Radio. We have to stop for our commercial breaks. We'll be back in just a minute. So don't move. We'll see you soon. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, so uh, we had two good questions I wanted to wait and share. Three, really. First of all, from uh, Chelsea Ross. Does, do pure breed or mixed breeds have more health problems? Well, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say more health problems, though they're more predictable health problems. When you have a pure breed, you know what problems they typically have in their line as a breed or in their direct line, all right, when you have some sort of pedigree papers. So that's why it's so important that we say in certain breeds that we know have particular problems to get them their hips and their elbows certified, to get their eyes certified, to get their heart worked up beforehand, or at least the parents. So we know what we can expect, what we can anticipate in the um, pure breed puppy. Now, the mixed breeds, because they're getting more input from other lineage, other lines, they may not have the same problems. So they may be better off, but whatever problems they do have may not be as predictable because you can't tell what is coming from whom and where and what the an ancestor had. So there are pros and cons to both. Uh, if you're going to get a pure breed, just do your homework, right? Make sure that the parents have all these certifications that they're out there. They're out there for you to do some homework and research to make sure. How serious is it if a dog isn't peeing? So very serious. And the same thing for a cat. In fact, it's more serious for a cat. 
not to be gross, but if a cat gets blocked and male cats get FLUTD, feline lower urinary tract disease, and if it is missed or it happens on a weekend and you can see the cat going to the box and straining and meowing and vocalizing and you think it's okay to wait till the next day, um, or you call an emergency clinic and it's a 10-hour wait, well, God, 10 hours, I may as well go to my regular vet. So if a cat bladder ruptures, it is extremely, extremely serious because it's deadly serious. A dog, you have time. Even if a bladder ruptures, the urine for some reason in a dog isn't as toxic. But cat urine is more concentrated. So either one, you don't want that to happen. If you have a dog or a cat that and a cat frequenting a litter box, but nothing coming out, a dog lifting its leg and just seems super uncomfortable, licking in his privates, etc. You need to get them checked ASAP. Dogs can get stones. They can get urethral plugs. They can get little smaller stones that are will make it themselves out of the bladder and they get lodged somewhere in the urethra. And again, they can't pee. It is very serious. They need to have often, if it's that bad, yes, you can try to dissolve stones with diets, depending on the nature of the stone and the diets and are they diet responsive. But sometimes if they're that big, it's going to be a problem. And then when it gets small enough, it's going to lodge into the urethra. So my recommendation is surgery if they're that, if they're really that bad. Okay, next one was, a question was on microchips and also can a GPS device be implanted in a dog or in a pet? And the answer is no at this point because there are problems. When you have a microchip, there's nothing being emitted from a signal. The magnetic field is read with a scanner, but that scanner has to be there. It's not emitting this magnetic field and there's no battery to have to replace because there is nothing being emitted from it. So therefore, microchips are very safe. Now, to have a GPS device, it's emitting a signal, which means it also has a power. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to plug the dog in? I mean, you can't keep the unit charged if it's inside. And it's dangerous because you put it wherever you're going to put it, that signal might interfere with the heart signal. So there's really no way, at least technologically yet, to implant a GPS device in a dog. Now, they have some great devices. They have small little medallions. You can wear them on a collar. There are collars themselves that are built in. I mean, there are solutions out there for sure, but it has to be external and you have to be able to recharge it. So keep that in mind. Now, one of the reasons why I like the Save This Life microchip, what they do is every microchip is given a Google number, okay? And the tag says, actually, not here's my phone number. It says, Google this number to find my family. So if you have a pet that's wearing their tag, and you see the Google's number, they get up their phone, they Google right away, Save This Life is alerted. They can see from that Google number who the pet belongs to, and they contact you. Your phone's going to buzz, and you're going to see it's coming from Save This Life. And what will happen is then they use your phones, which are external, and the satellite to put the two phones together. A map will come up, like a Google map with the A pin and the B pin, and you'll be able to see where the person is standing with your pet. But it's not because of the pet itself. It's because they're standing there, hopefully having just Googled the phone number. They're standing there with their phone. So it really is. A, it's a great alternative. Anyway, keep that in mind. There was a question. Do Frenchies have more reaction? I don't know if they have more reaction reactions, but they're very sensitive to so many different things. It could be. I, don't, I haven't seen a study of it saying that. But again, because of their breathing, if they do have any small reaction, it may affect them worse than a dog with a longer snout. So, but that could go with any of the brachycephalics, the pugs, the Bostons, the Shih Tzus, the losses, you know, the, the Japanese chins, you name it, it could be. Now, speaking of Bostons, if a dog has inflammation in the brain and spine due to unknown causes, should antibiotics be used along with prednisone? Okay, 
So here's the thing. When you have a brain or spine thing, you are somewhat limited sometimes to diagnostics. To do some sort of CSF fluid evaluation is not that challenging. Uh, a lot of general practitioners can do it. Take the cerebrospinal fluid, have it evaluated for any weird cells, inflammatory cells, infection, have it cultured, et cetera. For more than that, you're going to have to do some sort of contrast study as far as looking for lesions in the spinal cord or the brain or an MRI, which for brain would, again, indicate if there's an issue. Now, if you don't have the ability or the finances or you have an older pet and everything else is fine, do a blood work, the blood panel is totally fine and you're worried about either infection, like a meningitis or an encephalitis or a lesion, and you just want to try, it's called shotgun therapy, poo-poo shotgun therapy. Sometimes it's better than nothing. Might it have a negative effect? Yes, it might. But to do, if the dog is declining and you do nothing, what can you expect? So I'm the kind of guy that as long as we've ruled out any other things that we can easily rule out, the bloods are perfect. It's not an organ dysfunction. There's no generalized infection. The signs are all leading to something neurologic. All right, whether it's pain, whether it's movement, whether it's the eyes, tremors, it's shiver shaking, and you want to treat it, would it be okay to use uh, like a seizure medication? I think so, yeah. Would it be okay to put them on a steroid, an anti-inflammatory, like a cyclosporin? Yeah, or cytosar. That's more for tumors, the cytosar, but yeah. Oh, and antibiotics. Cover them always with an antibiotic just in case. So but make sure it's an antibiotic that penetrates the blood-brain barrier. So it has to be a good antibiotic that will get to the spinal cord, to the brain, et cetera. So I don't want to sit on my behind and do nothing. You go over with the owner, you discuss all the possibilities. And with cats, for example, I have an, the old adage, and it still holds true for me, when in doubt, steroids. Cats tolerate steroids very well. And dogs at an anti-inflammatory dose that's used judiciously, where you've already ruled out all the other things that often can be affected by steroids, but you need that anti-inflammatory property, at least to check it out, I'm good. I would say, you know what? Better than doing nothing, because doing nothing, you're going to get nothing. And as I said, if the animal is not strong enough to go through all those testing, or you just don't have the finances to do all the testing, you know, sit down with your veterinarian, talk about it. But I would certainly use uh, at least some PRED antibiotics as an anti-inflammatory dose. Now, if it's an immune-mediated disease and you're looking at immunosuppressive doses, I kind of like to have more information before I start that. But you know, many conditions are responsive to cyclosporine. I uh, just said cytosol we use more as a tumor drug. So if a tumor is identified and biopsied, you know what type of tumor, then cytosol might be appropriate. But for that, you want to talk to a veterinary oncologist. Anyway, so next week, for those of you who like to join me, I'd love you to join me. I'm pushing the show up a half hour. I have to be someplace from eight to nine. I'll be rushing back. So we're going to start the show at 9.30 instead of nine. And for those of you here on Pet Life Radio, likewise, uh, we'll be on at 9.30 in the West, 12.30 in the East. We'd still love to have you join us. We'll just be, as I said, delayed a half hour. Uh, after that, we'll be back to our normal schedule. So anyway, those of you who have any questions here on Pet Life Radio, you can always reach me easily on Pet Life Radio. All you have to do is Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and I will get those emails and answer your questions personally. Those of you on Instagram, as you know, send me a private message, and I will answer you as well. Other than that, um, have a great week, everybody, and uh, we'll see you here uh, next week at 9.30 for Instagram. Well, I guess also 12.30 if you happen to be in New York while you're uh, or back east. Uh, 9.30 in the West, let's put it that way, and that is both here on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram. Wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Be well. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand 
only on PetLifeRadio.com.